Welcome to the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm Alec Rich. Today, as we continue examining the variety of ways the coronavirus fallout has affected life at GW, I'll be diving into our now abandoned campus's effect on the GW Museum. Since campus was shut down, the GW Museum and Textile Museum have worked to make online programs and exhibitions available for those who might otherwise have attended the museum in person. Here to discuss those efforts with me is Dr. John Wetnall, who is the director of the GW Museum and an associate professor of museum studies in the Corcoran School of Arts and Design. Dr. Wettenhall, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So first, you know, how has the museum worked to make its materials accessible online during the pandemic? Well, what we did as soon as we realized we were going to be closing is we shifted the responsibilities of the hands-on staff, the uh, registrars, the conservators, shifted to online data. And so we've had a project for the last couple of years. We've been trying to make the entire uh, museum collection and, in fact, all of GW's art collections accessible online. And the challenge is to get the photographs and then all that data uh, accessible. And the data has to be scrubbed in a manner that people can search. And so normally we're so busy with other responsibilities, it's hard to find time. So we shifted everyone, and that includes actually student workers, shifted to that project. And so in the uh, last two months, we've been working on uh, upwards of 14,000 different records uh, with uh, uh, scrubbing records and and uh, uh, refining the digital photographs so that we can uh, make this these works accessible. We're going to wind up in we're going to wind up getting a year's worth of productivity out of the last two months, and if it's another couple of months, so we'll be well ahead of where we might have been otherwise to make the collections accessible to faculty, to students, and others. What's interesting now is as we prepare for a longer uh, stay-at-home situation and possibly changes of programming for students in the summer and the fall is now we're thinking about the digitization of, of programs and making programs accessible online. So things are evolving rapidly and uh, we're advancing steeply up a learning curve. Uh, to try to adapt to the technological challenges, but also the opportunities of reaching new and more audiences. Yeah, and in terms of the museum's pilot website being a multi-year effort, you know, how has the pandemic accelerated that process? And you know, could you expand a little bit more on those efforts? It's changed the audiences because there's so many people who were not accustomed to uh, digital communications, uh, uh, web webinars. Uh, even social events that are now happening on Zoom and Web- WebEx, not to mention classroom teaching. And so faculty members, students, everyone in the GW community has improved radically their ability to communicate online. And that's even affected the uh, uh, the outside community of museum uh, visitors, uh, seniors in particular, that would normally come to the museum for events are now learning to communicate online. And for us, it's really a special opportunity, and this is why, that the in Washington, D.C., there's uh, 60 museums in the, in the districts of, of Columbia and others in Maryland and, and Virginia nearby. We're in the shadow of the Smithsonian, so we're relatively small in the, in the D.C. Uh, uh, area for a museum to attend. However, nationally, 
we're a very rare museum in that we have a specialty collection of textiles that has a lot of people interested around the country. And so now for the first time, we're really thinking about how to bring our programming directly to them in their homes. And what's the importance of having you know, such a diverse array of content within that digital space? I saw the museum is going to have a virtual film club event coming up. And also I saw a video on Vimeo with the museum's curator of education, Lori Karchner, displaying an exhibit. And that video already has around 700 views. You know, what is the importance of having all those different means of engagement? Oh, well, because we've always seen ourselves in the five years we've had the museums, we've seen ourselves as far more broad than the collections themselves or an out uh, an outcropping of the the art department the corcoran school or something like that many of our best partnerships on campus are with uh, academic departments that may not be traditionally lined up with an art museum or history museum the elliott school of international affairs has a many many programs here at the museum and we do a lot with international students obviously our collections come from uh, around the globe and they align with with a lot of of our diverse student body. So uh, we've always tried to reach out to uh, uh, a wide array of academic departments, even in the sciences, uh, uh, graduate, undergraduate. And so uh, uh, the programs are really just uh, uh, more manifestations of how we can we can partner across the, the diverse university campus. And what Laurie and her team, uh, the education team, are doing is now spending our time reaching out to faculty members and heads of student groups to see what we can do with them uh, starting next fall. And we're not sure how much will be in person, how large the groups that convene are going to be, but we know we want to have these partnerships. And so we'll work together in making this programming happen. And more broadly, what do you think is the importance of making sure students and others have access to museums at a time like this? Well, we we do our best to to stay connected, to offer community, to uh, uh, to certainly make the collections available. Uh, I think what we're going to learn, uh, and this is just me now, is that I think we're also learning the importance of an on-campus experience. You know, uh, in in recent years, universities are seeing online uh, education in a way as competitive, as, you know, you're competing against the online opportunities that are out there. And now we're realizing that we have to put content online and make it accessible. But we're also understanding the incredible desire people have to be on a campus. People miss their dorms. They miss their friends in person. They miss... And they miss the opportunity to learn on site and in front of real things. And so what we're recognizing uh, very clearly, I think, is the value of object-based learning. You can look at as many images as you like online, and it is absolutely not the same thing as sitting on a table before you, an object that's 500 years old, that the master created themselves, and that you can actually see the nuance of creation, the creative inspiration uh, of, of erasure marks and changes that artists make that you can't see that online. And so the real value of teaching with objects, I think museums and, and universities are going to find themselves more valuable and more cherished, uh, just like the, the laboratories that scientists are, are going to. And natural history is the same. Historical artifacts are the same. They're all part of making it worthwhile paying tuition to be on campus. They're those differentiators that other campuses don't have. 
that other uni that other learning experiences don't have. So, uh, I, I think we're we're going to learn to cherish much more. And at GW, of course, we've got the the, the magnificent location of Washington D.C. So we're we're here where policy is made. We're in in the center of diplomacy, and that's really what our museum is about: Washington history and 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 global cultural artifacts in Foggy Bottom, a place where international a gateway to diplomacy for the international community, the, the State Department, the World Bank, the IMF, and, and everything else. Dr. Wettenhall, thanks so much for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. My next guest is Christiane Scher who's the Associate Director of the American University Museum at the Katzen Art Center. Christiane, thank you for being here. No problem. So what is the significance of ensuring that people have access to the museum's materials during this pandemic? Yeah, so right now we have a Museum at Home um, webpage that brings everything together that we've been doing. Some of it's been digital storytelling on Instagram. So we've featured a number of artists in an exhibition um, that has preparators that work in our museum, actually. Uh, they're usually behind the scenes installing our exhibition, and they were supposed to be showing their art in the museum. Um, so we've been doing some digital storytelling on Instagram to to feature these artists and show what they were hoping to present to everybody. They also put together a Spotify playlist, and they each chose a, um, a song that they listened to while they're creating their art. So that's been two um, two things we've been doing. We also are planning a virtual gallery talk in two weeks for one of our shows. Uh, we've uh, edited the design of a number of catalogs so that we can make ebook catalogs available online so everybody can still read the essays and um, view the artwork. And obviously, you don't get the scale of the art when you're viewing it in a catalog. So, we are working on some like quote unquote studio visits this summer. So, we'll have videos of studio visits with artists to post online. And let's see. And then one other one is um, Melissa Ichiuji is doing a doll making workshop um, virtually at the end of the month. So those are some of the things that we're doing. Um, oh, and one more is every staff member has been picking a, a work of art from our collection and discussing it. So you're seeing, you know, work from the collection that maybe wouldn't have been pre presented in an exhibition. And, you know, we're pulling it out and telling you why we like it. Um, yeah, yeah. So those are some of the things we've been doing, and I'm and I'm sure there will be more. And you know, what's the importance of having those unique outlets in the digital space? You know, whether it be Spotify playlists you mentioned or online public dialogues. In addition to having the traditional method of just having these kind of online websites with all the museum's materials. Yeah. Well, so I think one of the things our members love about us is you know coming to visit meeting the artists and having access to them, you know, discovering something new and, um, and doing that together. You know, our, our openings usually have uh, almost 2000 people has become a regular amount for us. And so, um, so there's a real sense of community there. So we're trying to create that, um, virtually. And so, I mean, sometimes that, that would be participating in a gallery talk in real time together. But other times it would be, you know, doing an art tutorial that we sent you at home and sharing the results of that and seeing who else did the art tutorial. So um, creating that sense of community and the access to the people that are doing the creating um, is is important and an added layer to just get, sending those ebooks out. And how has collaboration gone so far in terms of working with other museums? I saw there was 
collaboration post between the director of your museum, which was paired with the GW Museum on Facebook. You know, are there plans for further outreach as well in that department? Yeah, yeah. So I know um, about two weeks ago, our director was on a town hall um, with a bunch of other art representatives in the area uh, talking about how this is impacting each, each institution and giving advice to artists moving forward. And I know there's another one coming up in a week. Um, we've also been um, collaborating with with Raw Hope for Humanity to promote their interdisciplinary panels um, that are discussing the political impact of COVID-19 on the presidential election. Um, then also, like I said, we've been working with Melissa Ichiuji to promote her um, doll-making workshop. So all types of, of collaboration. Um, it, you know, it, it just helps us reach broader audiences. Oh, and right now we're working with the James Renwick Alliance um, to try to promote our, our gallery talk coming up in two weeks and provide that, um, that event to their members and um, kind of just broaden who we're reaching. I also wanted to expand more on these online public dialogues for 2020 the museum has been running during the pandemic, including democracy versus authoritarianism. I saw as one panel and another, which was information versus propaganda. You know, can you expand more on the importance of having a unique showcase like those and how that can help diversify content at this time as well? Yeah, absolutely. So Randall Packer was actually hoping to host these from the museum. And we had this whole lineup planned. Um, and and obviously, um, the pandemic is incorporated into uh, the topic now. That obviously was not a part of the original topic. So he's saying very current and adjusting to the, the changes. Um, but anyway, he is in a great position to do all of this virtually. Um, and so he's pivoted and is, is using Crowdcast to offer each of these um, to our community. And I think they might actually reach a broader audience um, doing it this way. Um, so I, I, to quote our director, he recently said, creative people turn ob- obstacles into opportunities recently. And I feel like that's been happening with some of these um, events and aspects of our exhibition, kind of making that, um, that change has been positive in some cases. Um, But uh, to go back to your question, we are always trying to um, create discussion. And in this fall, we are um, hosting five exhibitions that will um, be about topics related to the um, election itself. And so this is a lead up to the ex- uh, those exhibitions. And so we're hoping to start that discussion now about these various issues um, that we think are going to be really vital to the um, to voters during the election, start that discussion now over the summer, and then open those exhibitions in the fall, fingers crossed, and um, continue that discussion at the museum. And lastly, I just want to touch on more broadly, the importance of people being able to access museums at a time like this. Yeah, so um, I brought these two quotes from our director because I just thought they were really great. Um, He said, when we open up again and museums are needed more than ever, our offerings will be stronger and the viewing experience will be richer. And I really loved that because um, 
I will just say like our team, I think feels extremely creative. We have people doing things now that were talents that were in their wheelhouse, but they didn't need to use on a daily basis and they've pulled them out. And then some of this, um, work that we've been doing virtually, um, is really important. Um, having, having more, having videos of studio visits online is like an, a, fa- a fantastic addition to any exhibition. So if we can keep that going after, it would be great. Um, making eBooks available on a rolling basis is something I think everybody has appreciated and will continue, um, to like. So some of these changes we've made, we'd like to continue. One of the things that we are um, most proud of is our support of the local arts community. And so with the Alper Initiative for Washington Art. So if you take that away, you know, that arts community is not getting as much of a focus. And um, we can continue to create the art history of Washington, which is our mission, as well as, you know, take a look at the past virtually or not. Um, we we have the ability to do that while we're while we're at home, um, and then we also want to create communication across cultures through the art with all of our international shows, and you know all, a lot of the museums in DC are are doing just that, um, and so yeah, it's important to continue providing providing access, um, providing the same access, um, so people can continue to discover what these museums offer. Christiane, thank you. That's a wrap for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Al Gritch and is produced by Gwen Wheeler. Music is produced by Aux Studio. Thank you to Dr. John Wettenhall and Christiane Scher for joining me.